Michael Kitson, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. We're talking about the economy uh, before the election and post the general election. Should the public sector deficit be cut quickly? I think it's very dangerous if we do cut the deficit too quickly. Obviously, we need to consider the deficit in the longer term. But if we cut it too quickly, we're going to stall the recovery and slow slow down the economic growth and have an adverse effect on unemployment. What we basically see at the moment is the private sector is very unwilling to spend because of the impact of the financial crisis and the accumulation of debt. When the private sector is unwilling to spend, that's then the role of the public sector is to step in and increase economic activity or maintain economic activity. So we should be concerned with the deficit in the longer run, but we should be I'm very concerned about cutting the deficit in the very short term over the next year to 18 months. And, and it's true that if people are in work and they're paying taxes, then actually, you know, that reduces the deficit rather than people being on, on the dole queues, isn't it? Well, that's right if they're in the private sector. But, of course, if they're employed in the public sector, they will be paying taxes, but they they will be receiving income from the public sector. And so we do rely on the public sector to maintain economic activity when the private sector is unwilling to spend or the private sector cannot spend because it cannot raise finance to increase either investment or consumption. Let's move on now to, to looking at cutting the deficit in terms of cutting back this public expenditure or increasing taxes. What are the parties saying? Well, first of all, we've got to bear in mind that if you read the manifestos, which I'm sure you have, um, they do lack somewhat a degree of detail on exactly what the parties are going to do. There's a bit of smoke and mirrors going on there. And of course, there's the exaggerated claims about efficiency savings almost arguing that we can have our cake and eat it. They always do that, don't they? They, they do always do that. But if, if we scratch beneath the surface and try and have a look at the data they do provide, we do see some differences between the three major parties. If we look at it in terms of the deficit, if we're going to fund a deficit, we've either got to cut public expenditure or increase taxes or a combination of both. Now, if we look at the three parties, first of all, the Conservatives, their main focus is on cutting public expenditure. They're going to deal with the deficit. 80% of the deficit is going to be cut by reducing public expenditure and 20% by increasing taxes. Now, if we contrast that with the Labour Party, the Labour Party is basically two-thirds of the deficit is going to be dealt with by cutting public expenditure and one-third by um, increasing taxes. The Liberal Democrats are somewhat similar. It's basically 63% of the deficit is going to be dealt with by cutting public expenditure and 37% by Um, increasing taxes. That's over the period of the next parliament. Things get a little bit more murky as we move on beyond the next parliament. But over the next parliament, we do see those contrasts between the different parties. Could you then put those contrasts into a coherent whole if we were to have any kind of coalition government? Would it make sense? Well, if we see a a coalition government, what we're going to see are bargaining about the, the burden of taxation, increase in taxation, and also about whether we're going to have um, what the extent and the, the location of cutting public expenditure. Those will be areas for negotiation. But what we shouldn't be concerned with, I don't think, is that a coalition government is going to mean in itself an economic crisis. It will not. Um, we, this is a very unfortunate that it's been raised that a coalition may actually generate concerns that uh, will create economic crisis and we have to go to the IMF to bail us out. That's not going to happen. That's just scaremongering. How do you know that? Why are you so certain? Well, if you look at the UK 
economy uh, over the longer run, um, we've seen significant economic growth. We've raised, we've had deficits in the past. We've never defaulted on a deficit. We are very secure in terms of our ability to repay debt of the public sector. Let's have a look at a couple of points here. First of all, there's been a big focus on the size of the deficit as it relates to GDP, how much we earn a year. And it has been increasing, necessarily so, I think, to deal with the recession. But also what we need to look at is when we're borrowing is the wealth of a country. We are a very wealthy country. We have lots of assets. We have lots of companies. We have lots of shops. We have lots of real estate and so on. So in terms of the wealth of the, company, the, wealth of the country, this deficit is not enormous. It is easily fundable over the longer run. We shouldn't get into a state of being paranoid about the size of the deficit. What about the role of public expenditure? Um, we talked about it earlier, but, but does a large public sector really hamper wealth creation? It's something the Tories have been talking up a lot. They have talked this up a lot, and I think it's unfortunate. It's, it's, it's really muddled thinking to suggest that the private sector creates wealth and the public sector doesn't. Um, both contribute to wealth. It's like arguing, for instance, that... Uh, the private sector, if we have more management consultants, hairdressers and estate agents, that adds to wealth. But in terms of the public sector, if we have more teachers, doctors and nurses, that doesn't add to wealth. That is really muddled thinking. Both the public sector and the private sector add to wealth. It's really up to the electorate to decide what balance they want. Do they want a bigger public, ex- public sector with better public, s- public services or do they want a smaller public sector with higher taxes? And that's really a choice for the electorate. And what we see as we look at other countries, other countries have taken different paths. Some countries like a small public sector, some countries like a big public sector. And both sets of countries can be rich. If we look at Europe, many of the Nordic countries, France and Germany, have bigger public sectors than us and have higher levels of prosperity. If we look at the United States, they have a smaller public sector than us and on many metrics, higher prosperity than us. So there there are different contrasts. There are choices that can be made by the electorate. Do they want better public services, or do they want lower taxes in the long run? One other point I should add here, though, is as individuals, households, and society get richer, we tend to demand different things. As we get richer, we tend to want better health care and better education, better health care for us in terms of the, uh, the length of our lives and the quality of our lives, better education for ourselves and our children. We do see that, in general, the public sector is, is often more efficient than the private sector in delivering these services. So there may be a natural tendency, as a country gets richer, to the public sector to grow as a proportion of economic activity because we want better health care and we want better education. In that case, if we just spool on to the choices the electorate has to make uh, when it puts the cross against those ballot papers at the general election, who do you think has the most credibility to conduct effective economic policy post the general election? Well, here I think we're finding a very mixed assessment of all the main parties in terms of their political credibility. Um, I think Labour Party's credibility has been damaged by our perception now that the long boom of the 10 years from 1997 onwards, uh, that much of that long boom was fuelled by house price inflation, debt, and uh, a financial sector that was out of control. But when the recession hit, fiscal stimulus worked. That's, that, that's very much the other side of the equation. That's where the Labour Party, Labour Party and the Labour government does have credibility. They did deal with the recession quickly. They did deal with the financial crisis and dealing with the financial institutions quickly. So certainly the response to the crisis 
of the Labour government, I think, does give it credibility. It did do it very well. And on international comparisons, it did it better and quicker than many other countries. In fact, many other countries followed the UK example. So in this area, I think the Labour Party has credibility. If we turn um, to the Conservatives, I do think they do have a lack of credibility in economic policy. Um, There is a lack of coherence in the way they presented their policies. They seem to have flip-flopped around in terms of their pronouncements on economic policy. First of all, there was a a focus really on cutting the deficit and cutting the deficit quickly. And as I've already mentioned, I think that can cause hamper the recovery and hamper long-term growth. And now they're focusing on the so-called jobs tax in terms of national insurance. So now they're they're arguing that we we shouldn't be increasing taxes, but before they were talking about we should be cutting the deficit. And of course, just one other point to make here, any tax will have an adverse effect on jobs. Any increase in taxes will result in increasing unemployment and falling employment, just like any increase in public expenditure will increase employment. So any tax is going to harm jobs. So just focusing on national insurance is somewhat uh, myopic. But business agrees with them. Business has signed their round-robin letter. Well, all, nobody uh, votes for, for tax increases. I mean, no, no, so it's no surprise that the business leaders... Um, didn't vote for tax increases. But what we must look at the overall macro economy, what's good for the overall economy rather than what's good for the chief executive of Marks and Spencers. But the Sun editorial today said the Tories' uh, NI policy would actually create jobs for its readers. That's just wrong. I mean, that's just wrong and and muddle-headed. Basically, any any increase in taxes is going to, to, to result in the loss of jobs. So there will be some loss of jobs by increasing national insurance. But on the other side, if you increase public expenditure, you will create jobs. It's creating the balance between the two that's important. What about the Liberal Democrats? People love Vince Cable. Yeah, people do love Vince Cable. I mean, uh, um, and Vince Cable does have a a status as an economic guru. Um, I think even he would probably admit that this status is overinflated. Um, He certainly did get it right by saying the problems for the British economy were accumulation of debt in the private sector, which would have to be repaid, and it's having to be repaid now. So he did certainly see the problems in the UK economy. What he certainly did not see was the financial crisis in the United States. I'm sure he would admit that. So he didn't see the problems emerging in terms of the financial sector and the subprime market in the United States, which really kick-started this whole financial crisis off. So certainly Vince Cable does have some credibility in recognising the domestic or the UK dimensions of the crisis, if not the international dimensions of the crisis. Of course, the other, the other challenge for the Liberal Party is their strength is that they haven't been in government for such a long time, but also that is their weakness in terms of economic credibility to implement economic policy effectively. But, but the Liberal Democrats would take us into the, the euro and the ERM, and that would then limit our choice to, to devalue and, and then have less debt. Certainly that, that is one policy going forward that we need to look at in further. I, I don't think the, the, we're not going to go into the euro for any party or any coalition in the near future. We may be going in in the longer run when the economy is stable, but I don't think the issue of euro entry is actually going to be a prominent po- policy of any party in the short run. OK, Michael, then in a sound bite, which party would you plump for in terms of effective economic policy to continue Britain's recovery out of the recession? Well, that's a tough question to give to an economist because we always say on one hand and on the other hand. I'd have to say that I think in terms of maintaining long-term growth, in terms of increasing, getting us, maintain, getting us out of the recession in the short run, um, the Labour Party offers the best of the th- options of the three parties. But I'm saying there are still weaknesses in its approach, but it's, it's best of a weak bunch. 
and any coalition isn't necessarily disastrous. No, no, a coalition is not necessarily disastrous. We had won the Lib Lab Pact in the 1970s, and actually economic performance then wasn't too bad. It's, again, the, the arguments that a coalition is a bad thing, the arguments put forward by Ken Clark that it would cause the IMF to be called in an economic crisis, that's scaremongering and doesn't really help. Dr Michael Kitson, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge podcast series today on the economy and the general election in Britain. I've enjoyed it a lot. Thank you.